All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 3 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, I've got Dylan D. Berthium. No Michael Biebs Bondi uh, for this episode, uh, but he was gracious enough to pre-record his sleeper, his bust, and his breakout left winger. So we will get to those a little later in the show. But for now, D, how's it going, bud? Doing good, man. Best time of year, to be honest. Uh, As a sports fan and fantasy sports junkie, we obviously got the NFL season underway. Hockey's ramping up. Baseball playoffs coming soon. Uh, Fantasy baseball playoffs going on right now. And uh, basketball coming up in about a month and a half, too. So uh, literally cannot beat this time of year as a sports fan. Uh, And yeah, fired up to talk about um, some steals at the left wing position. And then maybe uh, a few guys that uh, ADP doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but yeah, these are the conversations that we look forward to every year. So, uh, just trying to bask and enjoy the moment right now. Yeah. As I mentioned last episode, these are my five favorite episodes of the season. So if this is your first ever DFO fancy podcast episode, make sure you go back and listen to our centers preview, which we did a couple days ago after today, we'll do right wings next Monday, followed by the defensemen and goalies shortly thereafter. So without further ado, Let's get into it. Again, if this is your first time ever, here's what we do. We go through our consensus top 10. We each ranked all of the left wingers, came up with a consensus top 10. We will go through them 10 through 1. And then in the second half of the show, we will talk about a sleeper, a bust, and a breakout at the position. 
we didn't mention it last week. I think we were so caught up, or last episode, excuse me, so caught up in the excitement and being back and talking about these positional previews. What exactly makes a sleeper bust and breakout for us? So we'll explain that in the second half of the show, but let's get into our top 10 first. We had a tie uh, for 10th, and that's between Matt Boldy and Zach Hyman. Hyman had the highest uh, rate individual rating, so we gave him the nod at number 10, and we'll talk about Matt Boldy in the second half of the show a little bit more. So let's focus on Zach Hyman for now. He comes in as our consensus 10th left winger. I've got him at 9. You are the highest on him at 8. Beeps has him down at 16. His current ADP is 45.7, which is the 10th left winger off the board. So we are right in lockstep with the general public in terms of Zach Hyman's ADP. D, you're the highest on him. So why don't you go first here and why you like Zach Hyman uh, as the eighth best left winger this year? Yeah, um, really similar to, to last episode going into these rankings. I, I'm really trying to prioritize reliable goal scoring um, and some guys that can contribute uh, across all categories. And Hyman checks both those boxes for me. Um, he doesn't hit quite as much as he used to, but he's still right around one hit a game, which is super uh, useful in banger leagues and, and points leagues that reward you for that shot volume is what really caught my eye last season he was just uh, a menace when it came to firing the puck on net particularly through you know the first 50 60 games of the season tailed off a little bit in the second half of the year but still finished with 276 shots on goal in just 79 games by far uh, his highest total to date uh, building a, a nearly 63 shot improvement over his first season in Edmonton the year before. So, um, yeah, he looked to be kind of a sneaky upside pick, uh, heading into last season, just because of all the exposure to McDavid, uh, and dry of course. And the fact that his shot volume did see an increase, but, uh, we, I don't think we could have ever expected to see, you know, the step forward that he took last season, but also just, you know, that team, we didn't really think that, you know, they had, uh, any further to go in, in terms of an offensive ceiling, but obviously um, that power play uh, unprecedented last season at the rate that they were able to convert uh, Connor McDavid, obviously we talked about him a lot last week. We'll talk about him all season long, but really raised his game to the next level. And um, yeah, I think there is some obvious regression coming here. The 47 assists, um, you know, certainly in, inflated by his on ice shooting percentage uh, from last season at 15.1%, but I don't know how much lower it, it really is going to go, uh, when he's seen, uh, such great exposure to Connor McDavid at five E five. Uh, and then of course the power play, it's literally the best power play the NHL has ever seen. Um, and you know, I don't think you can bet on them replicating the exact success and how, you know, far they were able to take it last year. But, uh, I can't say for certain that that's not going to be the case. And I certainly, wouldn't bet against Connor McDavid, you know, repeating or at least getting close to repeat the performance he had last season. So throw that in to Zach Hyman's newfound shot volume. And I just think we've got a really reliable producer here. Uh, and we saw the upside that he possessed and, and flashed last season. So I love his goal scoring uh, and how reliable it looks to be. Uh, and I just think, you know, you can't overlook the upside. And uh, that just comes with the exposure that he gets to McDavid and dry settle at 5v5 and on, of course, the power play. Yeah, I, I think... I am in agreement about the assists. I think obviously there's a chance those come down. The 15.1 on a shooting percentage is super high, but if there's any kind of player on a certain team that could maintain an on a shooting percentage like that, it's certainly Hyman playing with the, the quality that the Oilers have. The goal scoring is obviously incredible, right? 36 goals last year, 276 shots was unreal. The craziest thing was Zach Hyman had the, least or most whichever way you want to look at it goals scored below expected in the entire nhl last season so uh it, it was kind of a conversation throughout the entirety of the season like i cannot believe 
how good of a year this guy's having and how much better it probably could have been. Uh, you know, you say what you will about expected goals. It's certainly not a perfect metric, but it, it's, it certainly shows guys that are, are getting to the quality scoring chance areas and, and, you know, with a lot of frequency and Zach Hyman did, did that, you know, better than anybody uh, last year, actually among the Edmonton Oilers in terms of five V five individual expected goals, he was the, leader on the team three more expected goals than Connor mcdavid which is hilarious but in all situations last year he had the uh most goals scored below expected so uh definitely an area where he could improve this season do you know who is number two on that list he will also be featured on today's show any guesses Mm. brady kachuk oh yeah that makes sense (laughs) i was looking at the wrong I was looking at the wrong end of the list. I was like, yeah. can't possibly be. It's got to be someone at the bottom of the list. But no, yeah. Mr. Uh, Mr. 10% Brady Kachuk. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, so two guys that play similar style games, right? A lot of high danger scoring chances for both of them. And if they're not all going in, you're going to be scoring goals below expected. But it just showcases just how, how many quality chances Zach Hyman had last year and, yeah. and why – uh, you know, a 36 goal, you know, 13% shooting percentage is certainly sustainable as we head into the 2023-24 season. Next on the list is Johnny Gaudreau, our number nine left winger. I'm the lowest on him at 13. Beebs is the highest at eight. You're right in the middle at 10. Regardless, uh, all three of us are way, way above ADP. His current ADP is 81, which makes him the 19th ranked uh, left winger off the board. Gaudreau, again, I'm the lowest at 13. And, and it's just... I think the one thing about this season is the left wing position, you know, while historically being fairly weak, seems to be a lot deeper than usual this year. You can go 15 deep, you know, almost 20 deep with some really, really good players. Like even the 20th left winger off the board is still pretty good. Uh, Gaudreau still, we talked about him a little bit already uh, in previous episodes, 21 goals, 53 assists, 74 points in 80 games last year. Uh, we said, obviously, we don't anticipate that that plus minus will be, you know, negative 33 like it was last year. But all in all, it was a pretty good year. Uh, I just don't foresee him scoring 40 goals again like he did in 22 uh, while playing with Lindholm and Kachuk. But uh, the assist totals will certainly be there. Uh, first day of camp today, obviously, we're not going to look too much into those lines. He was skating uh, with Boone Jenner, familiar face from last season. And then Kent Johnson on the other side, which is a little bit surprising. They're both uh, you know, definitely more pass first wingers. Uh, so maybe Boone Jenner is the sleeper of all sleepers. He's just going to fill it up this year. But uh, yeah, you know, I like Gaudreau. I just don't know how much upside there is. Like if you look back into the previous seasons prior to his explosive 115 point season, the numbers were solid, you know, not great. Obviously 2019, 99 points. The two years following that weren't outstanding. So I think he's probably, you know, close to a point per game player with modest goal totals. And I just, like I said, I, I just like some of the other names ahead of him. It's similar to what you said a lot on last week, last episode with the centers. It's like, I really like this guy still. He's just, but there's a lot of good centers. And to me, there's quite a good, quite a few good left wingers this year in terms of just individual talent, but also maybe just slightly better surrounding cast as well. Yeah, I think this is someone who could just, you know, depending on your format, could really fall up and down, you know, your personal rankings. Because uh, he's certainly, obviously, you know, he's not going to help you out with hits at all. Um, and the plus minus will probably continue to be an issue. Uh, so depending on how uh, much your league accounts for those things, you know, you really have to keep that in mind. And then to your point too, right, like the goals um, certainly has, you know, the least goal scoring upside of pretty much anyone that we're going to talk about um today and you know which is saying something considering he has a 40 goal season under his belt but i do agree it doesn't seem like um 
the Blue Jackets are going to see enough of the puck at 5v5 for him to necessitate the or create the shot volume that, that he'll need um, to get anywhere up near that. So I, I do agree that um, his the upside for his goal scoring kind of really limits his potential this year. But uh, I am just a little bit higher on his floor. I, I think especially with Line A back and uh, Rowinski back as well, that power play should be a lot better this season. Um, so I do think he operates comfortably above a point per game, which I couldn't say about anyone that I ranked underneath him this season. So that was really the kicker for me, but it, it's a tough one. And it really is just going to come down, um, to what kind of format your league is in. Does it, you know, really tilt towards goals? Cause then you probably want to drop them down a little bit. Uh, and then like we said, hits plus minus, you got to weigh that all in. But for me, the fact that I, I really do expect him to kind of comfortably operate around an 85 point pace this season, uh, is enough for him to get just inside my top 10. How many hits do you think he has in the last four seasons combined? Just for fun. I would say 70. 24. <laughs> His last four seasons, he had one hit in 2020, um, eight hits in 2021, 10 hits in 2022, and five hit. hits last year. Yeah. Oh, my 24, goodness. 24 hits in 288 games over the last four you seasons. You know how hard it is to get one hit? You have to actively be trying not to skate into anybody with the puck. You have to be avoiding contact at all times. <laughs> He's like the Tyler Lockett of the NHL. Just <laughs> avoid yeah, contact to stay healthy the whole time. Just <laughs> yeah, t- catches yeah. the ball and hits the deck immediately. And All he, right, next. To, to your point, he does have a very nice track record of staying healthy, which is a availability, one of the most important abilities, as they love to say. So yeah, it's very true in fantasy hockey too. So yeah, all that, I just think he's more reliable than anyone that I have ranked above him. But uh, yeah, I do prioritize goal scoring a little bit more. I did have Hyman ranked above him uh, and I did have everyone else that we'll talk about here ranked above him. He, but yeah, just creaked into my top 10. Uh, so yeah, last year, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was on our list as a uh, value pick, a sleeper pick last year. His ADP was 148.7. I believe he was your sleeper pick at left wing a season ago. And uh, yeah, that came through, um, I would say. Decent. Decent. Across the board, 37 <laughs> goals out of nowhere. Previous career high was 28, 67 assists career high previous career high was 41 i believe yep. and 104 points previous career high was 69 nice uh yeah so i mean what do you say the shot volume improved which was nice to see 200 shots for the for, uh, only the third time in his career but really he relied heavily on a high high shoot, uh, shooting percentage 18.4 prior to that his shooting percentage for his career uh, was 11.5%. So a, a nearly 7% jump in shooting percentage. And then the on-ice shooting percentage was obviously insane. 16%. I believe it was the highest in the entire NHL. Um, power play points were insane. He had 38 power play assists. One, or sorry, 15 power play goals and 38 power play assists. So um, just outstanding numbers across the board. I I was... I will probably have zero Ryan Nugent Hopkins on my team this year. Last year, it was an easy pick, 140th or whatever, like easy plug him in. Uh, you know, if, if he does what he usually does, he's still going to be fine. If he explodes like he did, he's going to be the biggest steal of the draft. His ADP right now, I guess I forgot to mention that, is quite high, 32.5. Uh, he's the sixth left winger off the board. I have him at 11. I'm the lowest on him. You and Peeves both have him at 9. Uh, so we're all way under ADP, me especially. He was very close to being my uh bus left winger i just like it's everything went perfectly last year it's just not gonna happen again uh plus there's been you know some durability concerns in the previous three seasons it's just too rich 32 for me i'll have zero ryan Nugent hopkins 
Uh, you know, doesn't hit a ton, 40 hits maybe. It's just he's not shooting 18% again. That's just it's just not happening. If he shoots his career uh, at 12.2%, that's only 24 goals, 25 goals. So I think, you know, he can probably be a 25-goal, 50-assist, 60 if he gets lucky again. Um, but at that point, like 32nd overall is just far too early for me. So, um, you know, probably going to have a good year. He's going to play with Leon Dreisaitl, play with Connor McDavid a lot at 5v5. Obviously a huge focal point of the power play as well. So he's going to have a good year, but just it's just too early for me. Yeah, led the league in secondary assists last year, which is always a big red flag. Um, had yep. 11 more secondary assists than primary assists. 39 secondary assists to to be exact. Uh, 11 more, or sorry, 10 more than Connor McDavid finished with, if, if you're curious. So, uh, you know, I don't love his odds of uh, outproducing Connor McDavid in any individual category. So, yeah, there's just some regression coming here to his assist totals, uh, which we talked about with Hyman. You know, same thing applies here with Nuge. The difference is, to your point, Nuge just doesn't have the shot volume to really back that up and, uh, you know, have us believing in the 37 goals that he scored last year. It's a huge, huge difference, right? And a, a guy that um, we hadn't seen shoot above 13% uh, since the 27-18 season. He shot just 7% the year before. So it, it's a major outlier, um, giant red flag. And yeah, like like you said, 6% over his uh, career uh, average and at the amount he shot like that's a 12 goal differential right so just massive uh, so yeah we're expecting some big regression here to the goals and the assists having said all that for all the same reasons that i said i was in on hyman earlier i, I would still expect nuge um to not you know just fall off a cliff i, I think he certainly did take a step forward in his game last year and i think he was a big part of uh again that core reaching new heights um, him upping his individual performance. And yeah, I, I would still expect him to be a point per game player this season um, with some more goal scoring upside than uh, the likes of Johnny Goudreau, who I have ranked just below him. But uh, I'm with you. I, you know, I don't really imagine being in play for him at his uh, current ADP at all. Yeah, he's similar to Johnny Goudreau with obviously a much uh, better surrounding cast. And that's why I, I also have him ahead of Goudreau. But yeah, the goal scoring is probably not going to be there. And just to further your point, led the NHL in secondary assists. Number seven on our uh, left wing big board here is Artemi Panarin. Uh, I've got him at seven. You've got him at seven as well. Beeb's a little bit higher on him at number five. Me and you are in lockstep with ADP. His current ADP of 35.3 means he is the seventh uh, left winger off of the board. Last year was a bit of a weird year for uh, for Panarin. Like it just it, it didn't go you know seemingly smoothly, and he finished with ninety two points, right? Like twenty nine goals, sixty three assists, ninety two points in eighty two games. But it just it, it seemed kind of like a rocky road to get there. It didn't seem like he was a guy that you were like leaning on every single night. He was coming through, but at the end of the year, when you have you know ninety. 90 plus points you had a really really good season so to me it, it's kind of just like if he can quietly get to 90 plus points then i'm i'm all in uh a lot of that 90 points was fueled by 45 points in his final 36 games so that kind of i guess accentuates my point is it wasn't an easy ride the first half of the season wasn't great and then he really turned it on in the second half 45 points in 36 games including 17 goals he shot 20 percent uh to get there but yeah i mean if you just look at the numbers over the last uh, four seasons since he's been in New York. They're absolutely outstanding. 95 points in 69 games, 58 points in 42 games, 96 points in 75 games, and 92 points in 82 games. Uh, the numbers are just insane. The problem, again, uh, with, with the last couple guys we talked about, 
is he just doesn't score a ton of goals. He's very assist heavy, uh, which limits his upside a little bit. But still, this is a 90-point guy. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'd be fine with taking uh, him over Nugent Hopkins because, you know, I think that this <laughs> production is a lot more reliable and he's going three spots behind Nuge at the moment. Yeah, yeah. All day, uh, give me Panarin over Nuge. You just, um, you know, as high of a floor as pretty much anyone in the league, you know, outside of the top four or five skaters when it, when it comes to just pure point total. So you, you got to respect that. Um, but yeah, another player who could fall off um, considerably depending on your format, right? He doesn't shoot the puck a ton, so he's not going to get you a ton of shots. Certainly doesn't throw his weight around just 26 hits last season. Not, you know, to the extreme of Johnny Gaudreau, but yeah, he's, he's not looking to really engage in too much contact. Uh, and yeah, the goals just aren't going to be there. We know that, right? Like he's never scored more than 32 in a season, even in his best years. Um, and it mostly just comes down to the fact that the shot volume isn't there. It's just not on the elite level. Like the guys we're going to talk about ahead of him here. Uh, and he's just a pass first guy at the end of the day. But I agree. One of the, especially at his current ADP, one of the safest picks you could make in the draft. Um, and he's right around that point where I'm fine going for a little bit of a safety, right? I've taken my swings in the first couple of rounds. I got my guys with the 110, 120 point upside or 150 if I got con con. Uh, and I'm happy just kind of padding it a little bit with a, a 90 to 95 point winger. Uh, super, super valuable with, with how thin, thin the wings are. So yeah, just to your point, doesn't have the goal scoring upside to, to creep into my top five or top six. Uh, but clearly uh, the the best of the rest at that point. Yeah, just to take a look at his point totals over the last four seasons, you said he's among the best, uh, which he certainly, certainly is. Uh, fourth most points in the NHL in the last four years combined. Only players ahead of him are Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Nathan McKinnon. He has 341 points in two 168 games. So yeah, the, the point totals are, are simply outstanding. Uh, and, and with a current ADP of 36, right? He's, he's going to be your first pick in the third or uh, last pick in the third round, first pick in the fourth round. Uh, so you can, you know, maybe combine him with a guy uh, like Tage Thompson, who's going 12th overall, right? And you're going to get 40, 50 goals out of Tage there. Um, you know, maybe a Jack Hughes as well. You go Tage Jack and, uh, and uh, come back with Panarin, and then you you don't feel so bad about the lack of goal scoring at that point if you can get those two studs on your roster to start the draft. Just the way ADP lands with those two guys going about 12th um, and 13th, and then him going 36th. So Yeah, and uh, again, uh, just availability, he's never missed more than seven games over a full season. So, um, you know, nobody is immune to injury, but it's it's always nice betting on the track record and just, again, adds to just how safe of a pick he is at his current ADP. Speaking of durability and track record, coming in at number six is Kyle Connor. I've got him at six. You've also got him at six. His ADP is 44, which means he's the ninth uh, left winger off the board. I'm just going to skip ahead because this guy is my sleeper pick. Uh, obviously, when you think about sleepers, you're thinking a little bit later in the draft. The way we kind of define sleepers around here is way great value picks guys that we think are going way too late in the draft that should be going much much earlier they're ranked much higher on our individual rankings than they're being drafted guys that go much later in the draft those are more deep sleepers in my opinion so these to me people are sleeping on kyle connor here and here's why current adp of 44 as we mentioned he had an adp of 28.6 last year and basically had a point per game season and has dropped about a round and a half he still scored 31 goals with 49 assists, 80 points in 82 games last year. But his ice time, shot volume, and shooting percentage all dipped and kind of led to a bit of a down year. But they didn't dip to a point where it's like 
terrifying. Like he's still playing over 20 minutes a night. Um, even if he fails to get back over 300 shots, like he did two seasons ago, as long as the shooting percentage gets back to his career average of 14.5, Connor will be a 40 goal scorer this season. Not to mention he had 46 and 49 assists in each of the last two seasons. So this guy has legitimate 40 plus goal, 90 plus point upside uh, at the end of the fourth round. The other thing, like we just said, durability and availability is, is very important. He has missed only three games in the last five seasons combined. So Connor is a, a, one of the best goal scoring threats in the league. Bit of a down year. Uh, last year was, you know, he certainly hurt me. I had him about everywhere. Uh, I drafted him early. I reached for him. I absolutely love this guy. Um, and it, it just didn't really work out. But now it, it's kind of come full circle where he's on the other end of the spectrum and he's going too late. So you need to capitalize on the guys that got burned last year and make sure you're getting Connor at a discount this year. Yeah, totally agree. Um, right with you. Like it doesn't seem like a huge drop off. You know, he shot 11.4% as, as you said, his career uh, average 14 and a half percent. But that 3% difference when you're shooting the puck as much as he does, you know, nearly 300 times a season, that's a nine, 10 goal difference, right? So that's enough um, to, as you said, get him back to that 40 goal mark. So yeah, I, I'm totally with you. This is someone who, uh, I literally am also projecting to finish right around, uh, 40 goals, 50 assists. I, I think the playmaking ability that he's added to his game the last couple of years, um, again, just provides so much value and safety here. You know, even if he didn't quite deliver on the high hopes we had last year, because, you know, he was a little bit unlucky with, uh, the shooting percentage, the assist totals, um, still, you know, saved your, your day or your bacon a little bit in terms of, uh, it wasn't a total loss of a pick still helped him rack up 80 points in 82 games. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm with it. Uh, I think he has, uh, simply put just more upside than the other guys we've talked about, right? Like the, the fact that he could potentially score 40 goals uh, or even, and I don't think 50 goals is out of, um, you know, his range of no. possibilities, you know, he obviously had 47 just a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, th- before last year, this is a guy that we were routinely used to seeing finish around 14, 15, 16% shooting percentage. Um, so if he finishes on the high end of that and gets back to the shot volume, uh, he had a couple of years ago at 317, uh, which I think is doable now that they should be, you know, at least improve that 5v5 this season compared to where they're at last year. Um, I, I think that's within his range of range of outcomes. So yeah, one of, one of the best values in the draft for sure. Yeah. And they opened camp this morning and he was skating with Mark Shifley yet again. So should be playing tons of minutes at the top of that lineup. He is their premier goal scorer and those two together should continue to make magic this season. So we talked about a lot of guys who were, you know, weren't goal scorers, high floors, big assist totals. Now we get to Kyle Connor as a 40 goal scorer. Next on the list is Mr. 40, 50, 60 goal scorer himself, Alex Ovechkin. I have him at four. You have him at five. And Biebs has him at six. Let's remind the listeners at home, he turned 38 years old just a couple of days ago. But he's coming off a 42 goal, 33 assist season, over a point per game yet again with 75 points in 73 games last year. Only 294 shots. If he would have stayed healthy, he would have been over 300 for like the 300th time in his career. Uh, But yeah, this guy just seemingly does not age. I think the Capitals uh, are coming into the season looking, um, you know, I I think a lot of people are souring on them and maybe it's a little too early, a little premature on that. Like obviously Backstrom missed a lot of last season, uh, but like, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Strom down the middle, still quite strong. They've got quality wingers, obviously Ovechkin, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie. 
if Anthony Manza can ever figure it out. Uh, this is still a pretty good team. Rasmus Sandin adds to the blue line with John Carlson back healthy. Like, I still think this is a pretty good team. I still think this is going to be a pretty good power play. I still think that Alex Ovechkin is going to have a good year. Before I ask you how good of a year you think he's going to have, Alex Ovechkin is the topic of today's Betway bet of the day. Over at Betway, they have Alex Ovechkin's over-under for goals on the season set at 40.5 goals at minus 115. So he pretty much scores 40-plus goals every single year. Um, age 38, though, are you nervous about the age, or is this a guy that's still going to score 40-plus goals this year? Uh I, I can be, can I say yes to both? Uh, a little nervous about the age, just in that um, we're starting to see a very slight decline uh, in his shot volume, which is my only real concern with, with Ovi. Um, not too worried about the quality of his shot. His finishing has really just kind of improved as he got into his 30s. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I think he's a safe bet for 40 goals. Um, and he just still bangs way more than most people realize. He had 188 hits last year. Um, so, you know, certainly enough to to put himself uh, over the likes of a guy like Kyle Connor. For me, just the fact that Obi can give you a little bit more category coverage, I would expect his assist totals to be a little bit friendlier this year. Um, but yeah, even if he is just gradually kind of taking a step back, I still think the shot volume is going to be uh, in an, at an elite level compared to the rest of the league. Just might not be you know at up to his elite uh, <laughs> relative level of standards. So. Um, and then, yeah, I agree with you. I think at least from a fantasy perspective, I'm not too worried about the Capitals and, uh, you know, at least the, the best weapons that they offer us. Um, I think they are going to be quite gettable at 5v5 in terms of their defense, but I, I think it's going to be like last year where it's a lot of high event hockey uh, and it's just going to lead to uh, some friendly fantasy hockey uh, environments in, in general. So I think not too worried about that. I agree with you. The power play should still be good. Um but yeah, you know, I'm not quite as high as, as I was on him last year. I think I had him towards the back of the first round last year, uh, probably more back of the second round for me this year, just because um, he doesn't offer as much of uh, overall upside in terms of his point production. The assist totals just aren't quite on par with uh, the rest of the guys kind of in these the top six here, even uh, in compared to the guy we just talked about, Kyle Connor. But again, uh, the shots that he gives you and the fact that he still uh, is throwing about two and a half hits a game around is enough to, to give him the edge for me and still make him uh, a clear uh, top five left wing for me. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're in banger leagues, this guy does still bang, as you mentioned, like just so many hits 13 seasons in his career of over 40 uh, plus goals. So I'm still going to take the over as well. When you watch him, he still loves to score goals. He's still excited to score goals he does not look like your typical 38-year-old out on the ice by any means. So I will take the over as well. Two many, overs uh... on, on Alex Ovechkin, over 40 and a half goals this season. That was the Betway bet of the day. Please play responsibly. Must be 19 years if, of age or older. Moving on to number four on our list, Kirill Kaprizov comes in at four. His ADP of 15.2 means he's the fourth left winger off the board. So we are in lockstep there. I've actually got him at five. You've got him right here at four. And Biebs has him at three. Kaprizov, uh, you know, late to get into the NHL, but he's been nothing short of spectacular. Uh, since he's arrived, he has been outstanding for the Minnesota Wild. Made a team that was usually fairly boring to watch, much more exciting to watch on a nightly basis, in addition to some other players they have there. Last year, reached 40 goals for the second time in two years. Uh, just 75 points, but he played just 67 games, did miss some time. So 
40 goals in 67 games is certainly impressive. The shot volume was really, really solid. 261 shots in 67 games, a, a, a big increase from the year previous. Uh, maintained a shooting percentage around 16%. So really uh, no red flags here. Obviously the on-ice shooting percentage at 10.8% could go up for a, a player of his capabilities, 13.8 uh, the year previous when he had 108 points. So to me, uh, you've got a very, very safe uh, goal scoring floor here with Kaprizov. And then the assists uh, could be, it could be a wide outcome, but regardless, it's probably going to be 40 plus and it could be upwards of 60 plus. Yeah, and um, just a little bit more upside to me than Kyle Connor. I think they're very similar uh, in terms of a player profile, but I just think he offers a little bit more uh, in terms of goal scoring. I, you know, just as Florian's upside, I have him a little bit ahead of Connor there. And I think they're pretty similar elsewise. Uh, Kaprizov does hit a little bit more than people give him credit for, too, right around one hit per game in his career. Um, so a little bit of extra value there in, in banger leagues. Um, and yeah, the fact that, you know, Ovechkin probably, if you're in a banger league, Ovi's probably going to give you 120 more hits. Um, but the fact that Kaprizov could potentially double him up on assists and, you know, still be right with him in in terms of his goal production has me, uh, leaning Kaprizov's way there. And the fact that, again, we're talking some pretty basic stats here, but most leagues do factor in plus minus. I would expect the wild to be comfortably ahead of the capitals in that, uh, regard this year. I just think they're a much better five V five team. Uh, and I'm with you on the on-ice shooting percentage bouncing back this year. Uh, Joel Erickson Eck will probably tank that no matter who he's with. He's much more of a volume shooter, but uh, we both expect Matt Boldy to take a big step forward this year. Uh, I would love to see the two of them get some run together on the same line, uh, both capable of playing either wing. So hopefully they find a way to make that happen. Uh, and if it does, I think we could see um, career year from Boldy for sure. And I think we could see Kaprizov get closer to that uh, incredible 21-22 season he had a couple years ago. Yeah, when, when Kaprizov missed time uh, last year and Boldy stepped in, he stepped up in a big, big way. Um, and I think that you could see a little bit more of them together. Uh, I believe when they opened camp this morning, it was much of the same with uh, with uh, Kaprizov, Hartman, and Zuccarello. So I think that's probably going to be the way things open up. But yeah, uh, definitely a better 5v5 team than the Capitals. Him and Ovechkin are very similar. Like, like. In a, in a vacuum, like on draft day, I would probably be like, ah, lean towards uh, Kaprizov. In terms of rankings, it's really difficult to ignore like Ovechkin's um, hit totals. So to me, they're neck and neck. It's kind of dealer's choice, whichever you prefer. Um, if, if you're somebody that, you know, maybe likes to draft players that score and actually hit, so you don't have to waste a roster spot on somebody who just hits, then Ovechkin might make a little bit more sense. But Kaprizov obviously seems to have a little bit of a, a steadier floor, a little bit more upside as well, especially in the assist categories. Moving on, speaking of players who score and hit, Brady uh, Kachuk is number three. He is number three in ADP as well. ADP of 12, which is the third left winger off the board. I have him at three. You also have him at three. And Biebs has him at four. So this is an interesting turn of events for us because this is the first year that we fully embraced banger leagues as kind of the default scoring setting on the DFO fantasy podcast. The reason being is simple. Pretty much every league is a banger league these days and the default settings at Yahoo, which is the, the site that we go to for ADP and everything uses banger leagues as their default setting. So if you're looking at ADP, their ADP is only based off of their default standard drafts. Any other drafts don't, don't matter. So we can't really compare ADP if we're not factoring in bangers. So in years previous, we've been like, I don't really like Brady TK because he was way too high in ADP. Now 
we're all on board. He was an absolute menace last year. 35 goals, back-to-back 30-goal seasons, 48 assists, by far a career high for him. 83 points in 82 games. Oh, and by the way, 242 hit, 242 hits, which is uh, the fourth consecutive season of at least 240 hits uh, for Brady Kachuk. Just absolutely fills it up. 347 shots was bonkers. Like, he just fills the categories up. It doesn't matter which one, um, even plus minus. He'll fill it up in the, in the negative direction. But at the end of the day, he's just stuffing categories all day long. The on-ice shooting percentage is very manageable. It makes you believe that the 40, 50 assists is within the range of outcomes again this season. Um, just a lot of talent in Ottawa. We've talked about them a little bit on every episode thus far this season. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot to like about Kachuk's game. And when you look at every one of these categories, you're like, you're either above average or elite. Yeah, there's there's not a single category where he is not going to be a major uh, contributor for you. Um, even if you play in a PIMS league, like he racks up PIMS too. He had 126 last year. So uh yeah you just can't ignore the coverage that you're getting out of brady kachuk uh and you really just need to focus on your format because i there are certainly formats where uh you know if they're a little bit more basic and you know say they're a points league that really only award uh goals assists uh, assists shots and hits maybe block shots as well uh there is certainly an argument for brady kachuk being the first left wing off the board so you just kind of have to know your league uh, and know uh you know exactly how many of these categories where he is an elite performer and is he going to be able to to help you out uh and yeah you got to just kind of adjust accordingly because if yeah if you're in a league that's goals assists uh shots hits you know and just keeps it very simple like that like i said uh he is going to be one of the most valuable players in your league and then of course if you're in uh a league that ignores hits and maybe you don't even keep track of shots and it's just all about hard point totals. He's going to drop down a little bit. Right. But I would agree. I think the assist totals and the jump we saw last year is just simply a result of the fact that he had some real quality line mates to play with for the first time. Obviously Stutzel has been there for a few years, but we uh, can all agree that he took his game to another level last year. And I, I don't anticipate that going anywhere anytime soon. These guys, he was glued at the hip uh, Brady and Stutzel last season. I expect that to be the same thing for the better part of this year. So uh, yeah, I love Brady Kachuk. And like I said, I think in certain formats, he has an argument to be the, the number one left wing off the board. Um, but in the average standard format for me, this is where he falls. But one of my favorite picks in fantasy, because, um, yeah, the stability he brings to your lineup in those full category leagues or points leagues uh, is, is just tremendous. You know, even if he's going to be held off the score sheet, uh, he's still going to give you a valuable night's worth of production in the other categories. Yeah, and, and you just mentioned it. It, it. it matters. It depends on what your league is and where you should be drafting these guys. Luckily for you at dailyfaceoff.com, I've created a fantasy hockey customizable rankings tool. Whether you're in a categories league or a points league, all you got to do is go in there. You check off which categories your league includes. If it's a categories league, if it's a points league, you check off which, which categories it includes and add the weights for how many points each one of those categories is worth. Click refresh data and you've got brand new customizable rankings for your league. So I just went ahead and did it while D was going off there. If your league has goals, assists, plus minus, pimps, shots on goal, power play points, and hits, all, all areas where Brady Kachuk is, is very, very good, he grades out as the seventh best player overall, current ADP of 12. So that would be a, a, a five-spot jump for him. Uh, the other thing that's really, really great about this tool is it includes the ADP, uh, we've got ESPN and Yahoo 
uh, position eligibility right there. We've got their ADP, which updates weekly. So a lot of really good stuff. If you go to dailyfaceoff.com, it's at the top uh, at, at the top navigation bar under projections. It'll also be found in our draft kit under fantasy hockey customizable rankings. So make sure you check that out. It'll certainly help you on draft day. And uh, if you've got a league that, that favors Brady TK, he will certainly jump up those rankings. Moving on, number two on the list is Jason Robertson. We all have him at two. He is also the consensus number two left wing off the board on ADP. Just another great year. It just keeps getting better for Robertson. We've been high on him since the jump. Uh, and each year we kind of progress and progress. And we can't get much higher now. Everybody's on board with Jason Robertson. 46 goals, 63 assists a season ago, 109 points. The shot volume just absolutely skyrocketed for this uh, for this player. Just 23 years of age, 313 shots, which smashed his previous career high of 220 shots. Uh, expectedly, the shot shooting percentage came down a little bit when you're shooting that much. That is to be anticipated. The craziest thing is that this man does this while playing like 18 minutes a night, occasionally 19. Like the, if he ever got 20 minutes, the sky would just absolutely be the limit. But uh, at the end of the day, this is uh, a line with him. Uh, Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, we talked about it a little bit last episode when we were talking about Rupe. That's just been one of the best at 5v5 uh, for the for the last couple seasons, and nothing about that is going to change. Last year, we were very high on Robertson. His ADP was 48. So these are the type of players that we talk about that are like, this is the last time you're going to get a chance to draft this player at this spot. When we say that, we need it, because this is exactly what happened with Robertson last year. Just absolutely took off. Went from 48 ADP to 8. Jumped 40 spots total. So uh, undoubtedly one of the best wingers on the board. I think he was probably my favorite um, because like, I love Matt Kachuk. I love what he did last year. Uh, the injuries coming into the season worry me a little bit. Getting him at six scares me a touch uh, where a couple spots later getting Jason Robertson feels a little bit better to me. Uh, yeah. Love Robbo. Uh, you know, we thought there might be a little bit of regression with the shooting percentage last year, but if you go out and shoot the puck nearly a hundred more times, that's going to help offset that rate. So um, that was a super eye grabbing uh, part for me of his performance last year. He went from a guy with good shot volume to, you know, amongst the top 10 in the league. So uh, we know that when you kind of hit that territory, uh, those top 10, top 15 in shot production, usually end up being the top 10, top 15 players in goal production as well. So uh, it just brings a really reliable floor um, to his production that is uh, almost unmatched at the position, I would say. Uh, and, I, you know, I think his assist totals, it, again, just a, um, an indicator of the step forward that that team and the cast around him took last season, 13.7 on ice shooting percentage. I'm not terrified by it because he plays with Rupa Hans and Joe Pavelski all the time. Uh, and all three of those guys are, you know, uh, have been above average finishers for their careers. So uh, I, I think he can still be within a shout of that. It, you know, might drop off his assist holders a little bit, but I still think this is a guy that could, uh, should be easily around 50 to 55 assists uh, with 50 goal upside, potentially even more if he has a bit of a heater of a season, right? Like um, not that far off of Austin, Austin Matthews shot volume, uh, all Matthews had to do to score 60 goals, but shoot 20%, right? So I don't know. Uh, we did see Robertson do 18.6, but yeah, this is the kind of, um, it's certainly within his range of outcomes. If he was to, to catch fire over a part of the season um, with his shot volume, you know, I, I agree. The sky's the limit. This is a potential Rocket Richard trophy winner here. Um, so a pretty good value to, to be getting at a, a thin position towards the back end of the first round. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of... Uh foreshadowed it a little bit, but number one at the rankings, Matthew Kachuk. 
We all have him at one. He's the first left winger being drafted. ADP of six. I mean, everybody was wondering like how what well, that trade was so crazy last year, right? Like it's Kachuk yeah. goes to the Panthers and Huberto goes to the Flames and what's going on and is Kachuk going to be as good as he was in, in Calgary now that he doesn't have Gaudreau and Lindholm? It's like actually it was me, dude. Like. You guys know that, like, I was the reason that that happened because yeah, right. Holmes production dropped off, Kudrow's production dropped off, Matt Kachuk was the dude, uh, and, and he made everybody realize that last year. Back-to-back seasons with 40 goals and 60-plus assists, back-to-back 100-point campaigns. The Shawfine improved tenfold last year, and so did the ice time. I mean, he had 104 points in 2022 while playing just 17.54 per game. Last year was over 20 minutes a night. The shot volume reached new heights, 322 shots on goal. It was just everything was, you know, coming up Matt Kachuk last year. The on ice shooting percentage, 11.9. He's just like, I did it. I did it again. And I'm going <laughs> to keep doing it because this is just who I am now. Uh, so, yeah, obviously the, the, the injury at, you know, in the Stanley Cup finals is a little bit worrisome, but he's all, all signs are pointing towards him coming into uh, the season, you know, healthy and, and, and pretty much ready to go. Keep an eye on that throughout the training camp. Make sure that, you know, he is 100% and ready to start the season. Um, you know, no setbacks in training camp or anything like that. Because obviously uh, something like that going sixth overall would be concerning uh, or or a huge, you know, issue to start the season for you. So just keep an eye on things. Obviously you feel better about other players' health than you do his at the moment. But um, as long as he's a full go, I'm totally fine taking Mac and Chuck in the middle of the first round here. Yeah, I, I think he um, deserves this number one spot. Um, I think everything we said about Robertson in terms of floor and upside applies to Kachuk. Maybe not quite, you know, the 55-60 goal upside. Probably not uh, as much of a rock of a shark candidate, but his assist total should blow Robertson out of the water. Um, at shots, obviously, just as reliable. Slightly more productive in that regard than Robertson was last year. Um, you know, but it really, they're pretty close. Like, you know, Matt does not help as much out on hits as you would expect. They have dropped off in recent years. He was under a hit per game last season. So certainly I think people have a tendency to assume that he's just kind of on the same level as his brother when it comes to just being a shot and a hit menace. Not really the case anymore. Um, so just keep that in mind. It, it, they really are closer than it may seem in those full category leagues. So uh, I do think this is a little bit more of a preference. If, if you want to, uh, if you're just a Robertson fan and you want to chase maybe a little bit more upside and bet that, uh, Somehow he's got a little bit further to go because he's, you know, still just entering his age 24 season. Kachuk, age 26, a little bit further ahead on the age curve. You know, data would suggest that he's probably had his most productive season to date. Obviously, there's no guarantees there. But um, yeah, I, I think to me, it just offers you a, a little bit higher of a floor and upside, save for the goal scoring a, across the board compared to Robertson. But it is really negligible. Um, and again, just depends on your format. If you're, it's a little bit more concentrated on goals, I have no issue with you opting for Robertson in that spot. Or if you're a Stars fan or just a big fan of Jason Robertson, maybe Matthew Kachuk rubs you the wrong way. I don't think it's too egregious of a pick to, to go the other way. I, I think uh, it's fine to take personal preference into account here. The, they're that close for me. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Kachuk has turned himself into a superstar and you've seen his kind of role change and he hasn't had to hit quite as much as he you know, was doing when he was more of a middle six role. Uh, first kind of breaking into the league and and now the hit totals are nearly identical for him and Robertson I think you can maybe expect a couple more from Kachuk but they're they're not too different 50 and 57 hits the last two seasons for Robertson so not a guy that necessarily shies away but he's certainly not out there 
seeking contact. Anyways, that is going to do it for the first half of the show. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will talk about our sleepers, busts, and breakouts uh, kind of through the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Beebs will join us, but not like actually join us. He'll be here in, in spirit um, and he'll drop by and drop off his sleeper bust and breakout as well. So enjoy the quick break. We'll see you guys back here. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 3 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by Betway, a very Johan Franzen episode of the podcast. Uh, speaking of enemies, Mapcock, but uh, hope you guys enjoyed the the first half of the show. Um, I guess we could. Do you want to run through eleven fifteen real quick, Brock, before we jump into the the sleepers and bus? Sure. Coming in at eleven or tied for tenth was Matt Boldy. I have him at eight. Beebs had him at twelve. D has him at thirteen. Number twelve was Kevin Fiala. I have him at ten. Beebs has him at thirteen. D has him at twelve. And then the last three: Brad Marchand, Carter Verhage, Patrick Laine. Ah, we might as well keep going. Yes, for Brad, Jeff Skinner, Jonathan Huberto, Evander Kane are the top 19 of our consensus uh, left winger. So there you have it. Uh, of the top 15, uh, only one of them is currently being drafted outside of the top 100. And that is Biebs's sleeper, Patrick Laine, who currently has an ADP of 158.1. So, Let's let Biebs take it away and talk a little bit more about Patrick Lyon. For my sleeper, there was honestly no one that stood out at any other position as more of a sleeper than Patrick Line out in Columbus. That's right. If you guys forgot that Patrick even exists, he's only 24 years old, 25 this going into this year. And this is a guy who at one point in his career scored 44 goals at the age of 19, which is quite a long time ago in 2017-18 with Winnipeg. But Patrick Laine is currently being drafted at 158 
8.1 position ADP. That's virtually undraftable in most leagues, which is in my case, in my sense, just absolutely bonkers. This is a guy at one point we were talking about as a first round pick when he was in his lower twenties. And I really don't think that he's strayed that far away from that type of production. Even last season line, a, which many people thought like what, what happened when he had a terrible year, he really didn't. Um, he had 22 goals, 30 assists, 184 shots on goal in 55 games played. So if you were to extrapolate that across a whole year, say he stayed healthy, which is a huge, huge, huge if with Line A, regardless, it shouldn't result in about 100 position uh, ADP drop. But if you were to extrapolate his whole season, he would have scored 33 goals, which would have been good for 44th in the NHL. 77 and a half points, which would have been good for 37th in the NHL in points and 274 shots on goal, which would have been 18th best in the NHL. And we're talking about a guy who is going virtually undrafted, which is just crazy. Um, it, it just blows my mind that in a down year that 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 um, considered down year, he could still have these phenomenal underlying numbers. One of the reasons why we love line a and have always is because he loves to shoot the puck. He's one of those guys that stands out to us as shot first. And when you're talking about people you get late in your drafts, I mentioned on the center episode um, between me just messing up the Elias name over and over again. I did mention, though, that um, you don't really find guys who score a ton of goals late in your draft. So that's that's right where you can find line A. Also, wingers, they're not that strong. So to find a guy who's a near point per game producer with goal 40 goal potential, 50 goal potential, that's insane at the end of your draft. Um He's only three points off of having a point per game in his last two seasons since joining Columbus. A lot of people think that since he joined Columbus, it's kind of been like a tire fire. Nothing's gone right. He's just gotten hurt twice. Last year, Johnny Goudreau had a down year. I expect him to bounce back a little bit. Lining's not going to be moved out of his top position. Columbus is in a in a spot where they have a lot of young talent like Kent Johnson, um, other just strong players around there that are getting very good. I mean, they also just got Adam Fantilli. We don't know what he's going to do. These are all things that can help line a um, last year. He only played nine, not only, but he played 19 minutes, which means there is a little bit of room for improvement there. I could see him getting over 20 minutes. If he really proves he's healthy shows, he can take those defensive minutes, which we haven't really seen in his career yet. But if he does that, that could get him close to the 300 shot mark. If he gets 300 shots, he's a lock for 35. And if we could get near point per game potential from a guy who we're getting at the end of our draft, I, I don't know what to say. I think this is uh this is one of the biggest steals out there um, by a mile. Yeah. I mean, Beebs isn't here, but everything he said about line A, I'm fully on board with. I mean, the fact that he was on pace for 33 goals and 45 assists a season ago, it, like no one's talking about that. It seems like that is really good production. Uh, and even the year previous, right? He had 56 points in 56 games. I, I It seems like he's fallen like, out of the universe. Like he feels like nail Yakupov the way like people talk about him, but he's been really solid still. So uh, yeah, I like lining. We talked about control at the start of the show. The one thing to me, that's very interesting. I'd already mentioned that Gaudreau Jenner and Ken Johnson were together again, day one. We're not going to freak out about the lines, but Line a was with Adam Fantilli, and if Fantilli can make that team and make a splash as a rookie, I think that's you know a, could be a really interesting duo, uh, and, and maybe somebody that could bring Patrick Line. Uh, I was going to say back to life, but it's not like he he needs to be resuscitated; like he's been still quite good. So um, I think that that that'd be an interesting look for them. Obviously, the way he shoots, the way he can score, he still seems like a natural fit with. Gaudreau. It just doesn't seem to be working. We'll see if, if another year uh, makes a difference. But I like Line A. And yeah, like 
I'm not quite as high on him as you guys are. Like I have him at 21. Beavs is at 10. You're at 16. Um, but I'm still way above his current ADP where he's being the 34th uh, left winger drafted. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously the value he can provide you in full category leagues or points leagues that are going to count for things like hits and plus minus, uh, you know, certainly hurts his upside and, and limits his fantasy value. But uh, totally agree that that is all more than accounted for, even if you're playing in those leagues uh, at his ADP. And yeah, I, I would definitely be a player uh, for him three to four rounds earlier. Uh, I'm certainly not going to wait and try to play the ADP game and, and wait for it to get anywhere close to that because I do think most people are going to realize the talent that he is uh, and the fact that there is a, still you know some nice high-end talent for him to play with there in Columbus. Uh, but yeah, you said it. I mean, sometimes we don't have to try to get too cute about this. Just look at their production from a year ago. We know how injuries uh, tend to cloud the minds and the memories of people if they're just looking at the raw totals. Um, certainly does not have the best injury track record, but again, for where he's going in the draft and the, you know, potential upside he can offer you in just turn in terms of raw production and shot volume, uh, for that matter. Yeah. Just a absolute no brainer. Um, and someone that I'm hoping to get a, a fair piece of it this season. Speaking of shot volume and not a great injury track record that fits right in with your sleeper. Yeah, it does. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, you thought we were going to get through a positional preview episode and not talk about Nick Ehlers. No you were sadly mistaken. Uh, 158.9 ADP. So going just after um, Beeps' boy, Patrick Line. So some incredible value to be had uh, in the 14th round of the draft uh, based on ADP right now. But yeah, seemingly perennial favorite when it comes to sleepers on this podcast. Ehlers continues to be slept on heading into this season. Uh, as you said, Brock, injuries are always the only major concern for us with Ehlers, uh, and it is certainly valid. He's missed almost 60 games over the last two seasons, but for me, those concerns are obviously more than baked into his ADP of 158.9. Again, that's the early 14th round. Shot volume continues to be elite, and I think because of uh, the injury uh, record that most people don't realize just how much this guy shoots the puck, but he registered 132 shots on goal in just 45 games last season. That would put him on pace for 241 shots over a full 82 games. And he did that while playing just 15 minutes a night. Uh, we say it every year, the ice time and the opportunity, if it opened up for Ehlers, he could easily be amongst the league leaders in shot volume, which is crazy to say, because I do feel like he has his reputation as being kind of a more skillful assist uh, first type of player, but he, Still managed 38 points in 45 games last year, despite a down year shooting-wise, just 9.1% personal shooting percentage, on-ice shooting percentage of 10.5%. There's a lot of extra minutes to go around in the Jets' top six this season following the departures of Blake Wheeler and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Gabe Velarde is getting the early run alongside Shifley and Connor on the top line, but even if Ehlers is relegated to being the driving force on the Jets' second line, there is for once no one threatening his place on the uh, Winnipeg's top power play unit. I think that alone will make him a slam dunk of a pick at his ADP. And if he is able to earn those extra two to three minutes a night, potentially see some time alongside Shifley or Connor on the top line at 5v5, then I do not doubt we will finally see the breakout we've been waiting for from Nick Ehlers. Still just 27 years old, one of the best values you'll find in the draft this year. Um, and I will be in, in play for him as early as the ninth, 10th round. He's going on average in the 14th. So I uh, hope to end up with him on pretty much every team this year uh at least in leagues that that don't involve you or beeps so yeah he uh I, I mentioned it last week i wrote an article uh last week that would outline the the best value picks in each round for the 14th round i, I outlined nick ehlers uh to me he's you know similar to lining kind of the perfect player to take a gamble on in the late rounds uh fantasy owners have kind of soured on him right he's like the perfect post-hype candidate 
We saw him put up 46 points in 47 games in 2011. Uh, sorry, 2021. Um, and that led to him being drafted as early as the sixth round a season ago. It didn't work out. Uh, he burned a lot of people, me included. Um, you know, he's like you said, he's missed 35% of the games over the last two years. So that's the issue. But he, you know, in the 14th round, you know, obviously you take him a little bit earlier. He's a very good, low risk, high reward type bet. He has averaged 33 goals and 42 assists per 82 games uh, over the last three seasons. So, he, 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 at that ADP, he can't sewer you anymore. Um, you know, if you're in a league where you can pick up uh, both Ehlers and Patrick Line, whether it be like, you know, you go a little bit earlier and it's like the 11th and 12th round, uh, these are two guys who have the ability to put together exceptional full seasons and, and be league winning type picks. So, um, yeah, to me, those were no doubters. Uh, you guys yet again stapled in your your sleepers a little bit before I got to put mine on the board. Uh, but if you look right now at, at my rankings and, and their ADP, no two left wingers have a bigger discrepancy between ADP and my current rankings. So uh, I'm fully on board with Ehlers. I'm fully on board with Liney as well. And then obviously Kyle Connor going much earlier. Yeah, I, I was just going to add to um, talk about it a lot in the preseason about, you know, the advantage of going winger early is particularly in the first, second round of the draft and, you know, letting the centers go elsewhere and capitalizing on the depth at that position. I think if you go the other way or, you, you know, you have the first, second, uh, third or fourth pick and you end up with a McDavid, uh, a dry sidle, or even a Matthews or a McKinnon in the first round, I think these are great targets to go after later in the draft. And like I said, get aggressive with it. Like you said, you know, you could take them, the two of them probably in the 11th, 12th round, maybe in the 12th, 13th round. Um, And yeah, it can really go a long way towards um, making up for the fact that you went center early. And if these guys do perform to anywhere close to their ceiling and you're adding that on top of the likes of a McDavid, a dry settle, Matthews McKinnon in the first round, uh, just a massive head start on the rest of your league. So yeah, great, great targets to go after, especially if you go center early in the draft. Yeah, Johnny Gaudreau would fit that that mold as well as more of a mid-round pick. He made that same article I just referenced as as the top value in the seventh round. So if For you sure. get those if you get those early uh, centers, uh, or even if you you know grab the cars or the goalies, certainly some targets for you there. Guys that I wouldn't be particularly targeting are I'll go first with my bust here. Jeff Skinner, ADP fifty six point two. It's not that I don't like Skinner. Uh, it's not that I don't like the Sabres, but I think there are some red flags in his shooting percentage and on ice shooting percentage. Um, it's a good line. I still think they're going to be very productive this year. Uh, that's that's Alex Tuck, Tage Thompson, and Jeff Skinner if they stay together. The issue I have is just solely based on his ADP. He is not a fifth-round type player. And he, Okay, this list is going to get long, but this is just to give you an idea of how early he's going. Okay, so here's players he's going ahead of that I have ranked significantly higher than Jeff Skinner. Matt Boldy, Alexander Barkoff, Jack Eichel, Dylan Larkin, Carter Verhey, Clayton Keller, Alex DeBrincat, Nico Heischer, Jake Gensel, Claude Giroux, Jesper Bratt, Chris Kreider, Kevin Fiala, Joe Pavelski, Tyler Tapoli, Johnny Gaudreau, Andre Fetchkin. I could go on and on. Um, it's just way too early. If you if you take him in the fifth round this year, I think you're going to be disappointed. I think the numbers are going to be fine, right? He'll be around a point per game. The numbers are going to be solid. Um, but there's just so much upside. Like those, those names that I just rattled off, like – I would, I would, you couldn't pay me to pick Jeff Skinner over any of them. Um, so yeah, like he's just going way too early for me. Uh, so that, that makes him a bust. Like it, it, you know, if you could give him to me around like the hundredth pick, I'm all in, right? Like eighth, ninth round, fine. But yeah, uh, in the fifth round, it's just way too early for me. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You know, I don't, I, I think, you know, the step forward he took last year, it's legitimate. It's certainly a result of, uh, you know, the players around him getting better. Dylan Cousins and obviously Tage Thompson taking massive steps forward last season helped his production at 5v5 and on the power play. Alex Tuck throw him in there as well. And of course, Rasmus Dahlin. We expect all those players to be very good again this season. But yeah, I just don't see Skinner really building on last year's performance at all. Uh, I guess the assist totals could climb up a little bit if Tage scores 60 this year. But again, that would probably res- be a, uh, a that would probably be, excuse me, the result of uh, additional shot volume for Tage, which would you know probably come at the cost to Skinner and Tuck. So yeah, for me, I'm totally with you. I think he, everything he basically has to, you know. No, I'm not even going to say that. I don't. I can't really imagine any way where he returns value on this pick. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I think even if everything goes right, um, best case for me is right around a point per game. I agree with you where he was at last year, and that just isn't enough to justify uh, him going as high as he is. It's pretty rare on this show because I don't. I don't feel like we tear players down too much. But like when we have like nothing positive to say about where he's being drafted, it just goes to show how how out we are on this player. Yeah, this yeah, year. and it's. In certain leagues, like if I, you know, if you're in more competitive leagues or if you're playing in a high stakes league or a pro league, like he might fall to a point where I would be interested, right? But for sure, yeah, it, it's going to have to be four or five rounds, right? Because uh, yeah. I do think, like I said, I, I think he is a safe bet to be around where he was at last season. But yeah, that's just not enough to justify his uh, ADP. No, not at all. You might as well go ahead with your. Uh bust next and then we'll get to Biebs's. his is a little bit more divisive amongst you and i uh but we did foreshadow it a little bit in our top 10 based on where uh he had a certain player ranked versus where we did so you go next and then we'll play Biebs audio yeah I, you said it was skinner you know as a guy that it's not that you don't like skinner this player i, I really don't like uh, as a fantasy player and i don't know how in how in i would be on them even at the bottom of, of the draft so uh that is jamie ben probably not a surprise to many people it's not the first time um, that I've cast shame on, on Jamie Ben and his ADP on this podcast before. Um, and I just like to point out, I've never been wrong in that regard. He was not even getting drafted last year and then had that breakout. So I didn't need to tell people to stay away with him and end up with egg on my face. But, uh, and yeah, obviously he struggled the seasons leading up to that. So, um, 74.9 average draft position for Jamie Ben. I think that's about the ninth or 10th left winger off the board on average uh and as you might have heard he didn't even crack our top 19 uh for me he's not even in my top 30 left wingers uh even in banger league so yeah some inflated point totals from a season ago uh along with ben's previously reliable hit totals have seen him skyrocket up the boards in standard leagues this preseason and while he traditionally has provided steady value in banger leagues we are seeing that start to fade as he gets older he's entering his age 34 season now He's recorded under, or he did record under 100 hits last year. It was the first time he's ever done that in a full season across his entire 14-year career. Um, not a surprise to see, you know, physical players as they get older stop, or start to throw the body around a little bit less, especially when you consider the fact that it's ice time for the most part has fallen off a cliff. So the hits are dwindling, which is a big part of his value. And he is one of, if not the prime regression candidate heading into the season, just in terms of raw production. He scored 33 goals on just 190 shots last season a 17.4 personal shooting percentage. It's the highest he ever achieved in a single season. Uh, You know, I shouldn't need to tell any of our listeners this, but uh, I wouldn't bet on a 34 year old, all of a sudden just unlocking some other level of finishing ability. Um, He is what he is at this point. And he was very fortunate last year. And it looks to be even more of an outlier when you consider his finishing in recent seasons, he posted a 9.9 shooting percentage in 21, 22 and just an 8.9% shooting percentage of the year before that. 
Uh, and as I talked about at length in the center episode, shot volume and efficiency is something we can expect to decline as a player gets further and further removed from their prime years. So we know there's some regression coming as far as the goals are concerned. The assists are due to fall off as well. He posted 45 assists last year, thanks in large part to an incredibly high on-ice shooting percentage of 15.5%. And I honestly have no problem guaranteeing our listeners that he will not be able to replicate that mark this season, and his assist totals are absolutely going to suffer as a result. Uh, So yeah, he was a great story and a tremendous bounce back. enjoyed a tremendous bounce back season last year, but it, it appears to have been due in large part to some very good fortune and tremendous puck luck. And it's not like it came off the heels of just one down year, right? Over his previous four seasons, Ben averaged just 50 points per 82 games. Uh, so yeah, I could not be more out on Jamie Ben this season. I think if the stars somehow align again and he's able to enjoy some incredibly fortunate shooting percentages again this year and muster out another 75 point campaign, uh, it would still barely be enough to justify taking him 74th overall. And that outcome to me is just so unlikely. There's no way that I get anywhere near Jamie Ben this season. It's a hard, hard pass for me uh, at his ADP. The stars aligning. That was a good pun. I don't know you if like you meant that? to do that, but that was pretty good. Um, yeah, like super, super duper out. Um, we talked about how like Jason Robertson doesn't probably get the amount of minutes that he deserves because of how deep the stars team is. And we talked about how they do like to rely on a guy like Radic Fast on the fourth line quite a bit too. So um, yeah, this guy's certainly not getting over 16 minutes a night this year. Wyatt Johnson's been great. Him and Wyatt are a tremendous duo. Uh, I, I personally hope that Jamie Ben has a pretty solid season because if he is, it means that Wyatt's probably going along uh, along for the ride as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, this ADP, just to, just to go back a little bit, you said he was like the ninth or 10th. He's uh, actually the 15th left winger off the board, uh, but still uh, going ahead of, you know, Chris Kreider, Jesper Bratt, Kevin Fiala, Johnny Pedro. Jared McCann, Evander Kane, I could go on and on and on. Um, just, just, it's just way too early. Like even Jonathan Huberto, Philip Forsberg, Brandon Hag, like it just, you could just keep going for for days. Yeah. Um, like even Tyler Bertuzzi, like at one forty seven, like you can, you can literally just keep going. Like that would be maybe where I'm like, ah, I'm in at the very end. But like it's just like it's not even worth it because the upside's just not there. You you need to try to hit a lottery ticket at the end of the draft, as opposed to just a guy that you know is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be pretty mediocre. Exactly. Um, and this is coming from a guy that really, really liked Jamie Ben. I mean, I, I was, I was backing him a lot more like when the early years of this podcast, as opposed to in 2023 when he's 34 years old, but uh, <laughs> without further ado, let's let Beebs get to his bust. For my bust, I, I didn't necessarily want to go anywhere near Edmonton because we all know what Connor McDavid does. We all know what Leon Dreisaitl does, but Zach Hyman going in the 45.7 ADP position is just way, way, way too high for me. Um, the, the the left wing, right wing eligible winger broke out last year at 30 years old. Um, he's now 31. He had 36 goals, 83 points, just good for a point per game. Not just, but that's still not exceptional value at the 45 and a half uh, mark in your draft or the 45, 46 pick. Um, yes, he plays with Leon Dreisel. He's pretty much attached to his hip, but he also played 20 plus minutes on average last year. There are a couple bodies around Hyman that could potentially take some of those minutes away. Realistically, he should play the 20 again, but I just don't see him getting back to that point per game potential. And even if he does, like I said, I don't want that at, at, at 46, 45 in the draft. I think there's a lot better talent that you can get around that, that, that spot. He, uh, he, he basically hit his career highs last year because he was stuck on that amazing power play. We saw Connor get 71 power play points. Well, Hyman had 15 power play goals last year. That was 10 more than anywhere close that he's gotten in his career. His next highest was five the previous season. 
Um, Hyman's played in the NHL for a long time, and we've only ever seen him eclipse 55 points once, and that was last year. So if he goes anywhere close back down to that point, not saying he necessarily will, or even if he goes down to 60, even 70 points, I think you've completely lost out on a pick at this point in your third or fourth round. There's a lot of guys with way higher upside, and we talk about that, wanting the upside but still having a similar floor. And there's guys who I think have higher floors who are going later than him with way, way higher upside. Um, Kyle Connor is going only one spot before Hyman. So that means that in some drafts, people are taking Zach Hyman before they're taking Kyle Connor. And uh, if you're, if you're listening to this, you should be laughing audibly at that because I personally want Kyle Connor all day in that position. Um, also a couple other names that kind of stood out to me just around there. Alex Tuck at 51. I would personally rather have for the upside Dougie Hamilton at 52. You can solidify your defense. Um, Alexander Barkov, 58. We've talked about him in previous episodes and Quinn Hughes also 58. Another thing Quinn Hughes is likely going to give you the same amount of points as you can get from Hyman from the back end. Obviously not as many goals. You might be 20 less, but you can fill that out with other picks. Um, even Matt Boldy and Carter Verhege, which are going 20 plus spots back for me personally, kind of stand out a bit more as I do like the potential that they have to reach that 40 goal mark a little bit easier than if Hyman were to do it. Um, it's just, it, it's really tough to, to, to be sold on a 31 year old playing on the second line who could easily be pushed off that top power play. And if he does get pushed off or if say one of two Leon Dreisaitl or McDavid have an injury and they need to shuffle some lines, Hyman really quickly can become a third line player who isn't providing any value. And if you're getting that with your third round pick, you might actually ruin your whole season. So I don't want to see you guys do that. That's why I'm kind of just staying away from Zach Hyman. I do think that there is value in having him on your roster, but I do not want him when I can get a guy who is a superstar or someone who's going to be absolutely solidified on that top line in their own team and top power play and likely is is in their in their prime years. So no Zach Hyman for me. Everyone else can uh, can go crazy on that one. I don't think there's too much more to say about Zach Hyman on today's show. Me and you obviously gave the reasons why uh, we like him a little bit. Beebs, obviously a little bit lower on him, as we mentioned early in the episode. Uh, Beebs uh, is the lowest on him at 16. Uh, D, you have him at the eighth-ranked left winger. I've got him at nine. So uh, Beebs is obviously quite a bit lower than him uh, on him, and that's fine. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree. I, I, I still don't think um, I will have a lot of Zach Hyman, to be completely honest with you. Um, I don't think he's busty. Like I, I think he's a fine ADP. It's just not really a guy that I'm probably picking with the 45th overall pick. So um, I probably won't end up with a lot of them. So in, in a way, I guess I do agree a little bit uh, because I think the upside is relatively limited, but um, I just think there might be somebody else around that spot at 45 that I, I like a little bit better, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. What about you? You think you'll end up with some Zach Hyman at 45? Uh, I could potentially, especially if I'm lucky enough to get the first pick in any leagues that yeah. lines up nicely towards the back. Would that be the fourth round right on the way back around? So if he slides yeah. just a little bit towards the end of the fourth round, uh, like the McDavid Hyman stack, I, I think is incredibly valuable. Um, so yeah, it, it, it would just depend for me again. I think if I, um, ideally I have a winger or two at this point, and then I look at maybe one of the centers who offer a little bit more overall upside in terms of raw production going in the fourth round. Um, a guy like Barkov going around later, for example, I know we threw his name out a lot last year, but or a lot last week, but um, there's a, a bunch of centers that are kind of uh, going around there that I, I think would ideally make for a, a better selection than Hyman. So I get where Beavs is coming from, but if I needed a winger uh, and if I went center or 
like you said, defense or goalie in one of the earlier rounds, I'm more than okay with settling for Hyman. Um, but yeah, you know, he doesn't, that, that ADP doesn't leave him a lot of room to grow, but I mean, I talked about why I like him. I think he's going to be a reliable goal scorer this year. And yeah. he has as good of a surrounding cast as there has literally ever been in the history of the NHL uh, for raw <laughs> production. So I'll go next with my breakup candidate. Cause he's the highest on the ADP by quite a wide margin, but I like Matt Boldy ADP 57.2. As we mentioned, he just narrowly missed out on our top 10. Uh, the 11th overall left wing, his ADP 57.2, uh, makes him the 12th left winger off the board. I have him at eight. You're right there at 13 and Beams is also right there at 12. Um, but I've been driving the Boldy hype train here for a little bit and, and there's really no point in stopping or getting off at this point. Uh, he rewarded our trust last year with 31 goals, 32 assists, 63 points in 81 games. But I think there's still plenty of untapped potential here. And this is probably the last time that you'll be able to draft him in the fifth round, similar to a Jason Robertson uh, from a year ago. Uh, as previously mentioned, uh, Kirill Kaprizov missed some time in March, and Boldy was the man in Minnesota. He had 15 goals and 23 points in his final 19 games of the season. I repeat, 15 goals in his final 19 games of the season without Kaprizov. But obviously, Kaprizov is going to be there, so if you want to take it back even further, he had 34 points in his final 38 games, which is a 73-point pace. Um, it's easy to forget that last year was really his first full NHL season, like year and a half he's been around, uh, and he's just 22 years old. So I absolutely love Boldy's upside this year at 57th overall. Just to give you an idea, uh, he's going one spot after Jeff Skinner, my bust. So um, I think that those two probably feed off of each other a little bit. I, I'm out on Matt or, uh, Jeff Skinner because I'm so in on Matt Boldy at 57th. Um, and I think, too, when you look at the ADPs, like, a little bit, it, it feels like there's kind of a tier drop-off right after Boldy, right? You get into the Verhaggies, Jake Gensel's injured, Jamie Ben, uh, but then Chris Kreider, Brat, Kevin Fiala, Gaudreau, like, those guys are all really good. Um, but I don't know if that elite, like, upside is there at that point, where it's, like, kind of like, you got, like, Kyle Connor, Hyman, Boldy right after each other there, um, and they all feel like they could be tremendous, tremendous picks this year, and then it kind of falls off. So, uh, Boldy to me is an absolute stud and I think a great pick, uh, current ADP 57.2. Couldn't agree more. Um, I did have Goudreau ranked just above him, but I could easily go either way on that one. And if I was, or in my drafts, if, uh, if I, in my redraft leagues, cause I actually have Boldy in my keeper league and in my dynasty league. Um, but in my redraft leagues, I could easily see myself going Boldy ahead of Goudreau and then just hoping Goudreau is still going to be there on the way back. Uh, I think Gaudreau obviously gives you a little bit of a safer floor, um, but I absolutely love Boldy's upside this year, as is the fantasy community, right? Like there, he's not getting drafted 57th overall to uh, repeat a you know a 30-30 season, right? We're expecting a 22-year-old player to really take a step forward, and I, I'm on board with it. I uh, you know obviously a really big fan having him in both a keeper and a dynasty league. Been a fan of his for a while. Uh, with you, loved him going into last season. The shot volume to me, it, like it literally has me salivating. 255 shots in 81 games as a 21-year-old. Uh, it's super, super impressive. Uh, and again, I've said it, I don't know how many times already this week, but shot volume is something that tends to uh, be, for the most part, in perfect correlation with the age curve, right? As a player uh, ramps up to their prime shot volume, tends to drive up uh, and we tend to see it decline as they age older. So um, it's, for me, always the telling indicator. 
uh, of, you know, when we really kind of are on the cusp of a big breakout. And uh, just in case anyone was wondering how many shots uh, some of, uh, or one of the more elite goal scorers and, and shot volume uh, merchants of the last decade did in their age 21 season, Austin Matthews uh, played slightly less games than Boldy, but finished with 251 shots in his age 21 season. So uh, I'm, not really not speaking with hyperbole that just goes to show you the type of upside that boldly has moving forward in his career. Uh, and I do think this is the year that he kind of takes more and more minutes, not from Caprisa, but from Matt Zuccarello, um, who is quite obviously on the opposite end of the age curve now in his late thirties. Um, so yeah, I just think before the end of the year, Matt Boldy's going to end up on that top line or Matt Boldy's line is going to be the top line. Um, so yeah, I, I like him. A whole lot this year and i am fine taking him at his adp uh and banking on that breakout which is really what you're doing drafting him at 58th overall yeah and, and just to give you uh some context just talking about time on ice there for a minute uh as i mentioned he he was really really good in the second half of last season he was playing upwards you know over 19 minutes a night some of that came without uh caprice off but he was really starting to to be more of a fixture there in 19 minutes a night. Uh, prior to that, in his first 43 games of the season, he only had 29 points, uh, but playing just 17 minutes and 40 seconds a game. So, you know, give him an extra minute and a half per game this season, and I think there's a lot to like about Matt Boldy, and I'm all in on the breakout. Who you got breaking out this year? Uh, I really love Jake DeBrusque. Uh, ADP is tremendous value as well. Um, you don't necessarily need to bank on a breakout if you're taking Jake DeBrusque this year. Uh, ADP of 153.4. He does offer offer dual position eligibility and Yahoo leagues as well. Um, so uh, again, just another feather in his cap there. But if you listen to the show at all last season, you know we are major proponents of Jake DeBrusque. I think the 27-year-old DeBrusque is one of the more underrated players in the game today. Um, and certainly that carries over to fantasy hockey as well. Um, and again, another guy who I think the only reason that he hasn't enjoyed a breakout season to date, mostly down to opportunity and quality of line mates, and then a little bit of a you know poor injury track record on top of that. But um, one of those things will certainly improve this season, uh, and that is his ice time. The Bruins saw some major turnover on their top six, and there are plenty of minutes to go around. Um, though it does seem that at least to start the season, DeBrusque will still be relegated to the second line duties as Marshawn and Pashnak, uh, you would imagine, will line up alongside Zaka on the top line. Nevertheless, DeBrush could see a major uptick in ice time. He played just 60 minutes and 47 seconds a night last season, and he should become an integral part of the Bruins' power play, um, which is as important as anything else we're about to talk about here. But fantastic net front presence that should be able to capitalize on all the attention that David Pasternak will draw on the man advantage. DeBrush shot volume is elite already, um, at least the rate, uh, and that should only continue to grow as he sees more ice time, of course. Um, and he offers some additional value in banger leagues as well, putting up 85 hits in just 64 games last season. He has dealt with some minor injury concerns, as I said, the last few seasons, but you can't worry about that risk in the 14th round where he's going. He racked up 27 goals and 23 assists for 50 points in 64 games last season while playing in that limited role. That's a 35 goal pace with no major red flags as far as the underlying numbers are concerned. So as long as he stays healthy, I think that's his floor. I think he's an easy bet to top 35 goals this year. Uh, and then given the additional minutes uh, he should see, I think his upside um, would obviously grow from there. Um, and then just, you know, out, out on top of that, if you really want to swing for the fences and dream big, certainly, obviously, it's always in the cards that he could potentially see some extended time alongside David Pasternak at 5v5 as well. So just tremendous value at 153.4. 
Um, but on top of that, someone I just expect to break out in a big way this season. Excited to see what he can do, and I just hope he can stay healthy uh, so we can see what he can finally do in a, a more expanded role. Yeah, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Marshawn and Pashanak are going to be together, right? Like, you lose your top two centers. I, I think yeah. now more than ever, they've really got to rely on a more balanced approach, and we actually saw that balanced approach a lot more last season than we did in years previous. Krejci coming back, he saw a lot of time with Pashanak, Marshawn with Bergeron. Uh, and open things up for Jake DeBrus. But yeah, like as you said, missed some time last year, but was on pace for 255 shots over 82 games while playing under 17 minutes a night. You just talked about it. Like obviously he's not 21 years old like Matt Boldy, but this is a guy over 250 shots if he can stay healthy. And if he gets an added minute or two, I mean, could he get to 300? I think it's I think it's plausible or at least get, you know, relatively close. And then that's where, where you know, the big gold numbers, you know, start to pile up. So uh, as of right now, career high is 191 shots, but that was in just 50, 64 games. So you you got to imagine this is a guy that's going to be setting career highs in the shot volume alone. And, and obviously the goal production is going to follow. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's a tremendous pick. I do think that there's really, you know, even just the fact that Taylor Hall is gone and like, there's yeah. just so many more ad- additional minutes to go around here for Nebraska season. So uh, I I'm fully on board with that pick. Uh, we are in lockstep here right now. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it's the first time in a few years that we've actually ended up in a league together too. Luckily, like a hundred of the players are already off the board because yeah you know, makes drafting a little bit easier. We're not going to be stealing all of, each, all of each other's players, but uh, man, if we end up in a redraft league together, look out because it'll just be a battle. Hopefully <laughs> yeah. we're like, hopefully the opposite ends of the polls here. Like I get first overall, obviously, and then you get 12th overall. Then we won't have to worry about it so much. That but, would just make uh, the reaching all that more egregious if we were. On yeah. <laughs> and in the seventh round, I take Nick Ehlers. It's like, yeah. no, uh, but anyways, let's get uh, to Biebs's bus pick or breakout pick. Excuse me. My breakout this year actually really, really hurts to talk about because he left my dear Colorado avalanche for greener pastures, but I totally get it. Evan Rodriguez out in Florida. Um, fair and simple. Evan Rodriguez loves to shoot the puck. Um, he's kind of proven that to us over the last two seasons. He's averaged twenty or 214 shots on goal. That's while also missing 13 games last year due to um, due to injuries and just other, other things and falling out of the lineup. He's 30 years old, um, but he's never really had that chance to show out in his career. Even last year in Colorado, he was playing heavy minutes, but he was playing those. He had to play those heavy defensive minutes. He's playing against other teams' top lines. Uh, he just signed a four-year, $12 million contract, though, with Florida, and it's looking like he's lining. he might be lining up with Alexander Barkov and Sam Reinhardt. I don't need to toot Barkov's horn anymore. Um, he's an elite pa- pass-making for or pass-first playmaker, and that just means with Rodriguez looking to shoot and also Sam Reinhardt, a known shooter on the other side, it should lead to some success. They should be absolutely dominating uh, the puck and joining the team that led the league in shots last season in Florida is a pretty nice recipe for success. It just means he should be jumping right in there and continuing that flow. But also they were second in the NHL in goals for last year, um, just a bit above Colorado. So that could also help Rodriguez. He's going, the reason I love him as a breakout is because he's going undrafted, completely undrafted. He doesn't even have an ADP at the moment. So people aren't even thinking about this guy. So if you're at the end of your drafts and you could get someone who's playing on a top line, who loves to shoot, if he's going to even give you 70 points, I consider that 65, 70 points is a breakout for Evan Rodriguez. And that's someone you could have all year. Um, on your roster at first two out in Florida, there's a little thing going on called the injury bug and it's hitting Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad. That means that Florida likely is going to run a four man power or a four forward power play, maybe even a five forward power play. 
Probably not. They're not Colorado. They're not insane in doing stuff like that. But um, at some point, Evan Rodriguez could be on that top power play unit. And if he is, with just his ability to – he just controls the puck. And he, he's, he's almost like a Zach Hyman, except for you're getting him at the end of your drafts. Fortunately, he does not play with Leon Dreisaitl, but he does play with Barkov. So I don't believe that's too far off, or he should be. So just keep an eye on daily face-off lines. Um, Brock and I have been absolutely all over it. Mostly Brock. I'm just throwing myself in there because, you know, I did five minutes of work, and I want to feel like, uh, like you know, I did something. But, uh, but yeah, we're going to keep you guys on top. So keep keep looking into them. But it, there's going to be a lot of players like this that stand out. And Evan Rodriguez has proven he can take 20 minutes of ice time a night in previous seasons. If he has to do that again, I think you can you could find a steal here. And he's a guy, too, if he gets hot early, he would make phenomenal trade bait for someone who maybe starts slow but has a bigger bigger ceiling. Um, I just I think it's pretty crazy that he's going undrafted. And I think that trend's going to continue because there's never been love for Evan Rodriguez. I love Evan Rodriguez. We've talked about him a lot uh, on the show, you know, maybe as a streamer waiver wire target, you know, obviously we got to see how, how things play out in in the preseason. Um, You know, if he actually ends up with Barkov, um, you know, we've seen a lot of Carter Verhage and Barkov. We've seen a lot of Carter Verhage with Bennett and Kachuk. Uh, You know, if, if Rodriguez even ends up with, with Bennett and Kachuk, I I think that could be just as good as ending up with Barkov. Obviously Kachuk was, was a freak. So yeah, yeah, I think either way, they're you know I think he's most likely going to be in good hands. I know this morning they were talking about uh, Grigory Denisenko is on Barkov's line to open camp again. It's day one; we got a lot of time to wait it out. A lot of days before you make your fantasy uh, hockey picks, anyway. Uh, most likely, unless you're drafting this weekend, which is egregious and way too early. But whatever, <laughs> I believe the fifth. Um, so yeah, like Rodriguez at his current ADP, you know, of undrafted, you don't really have to uh, reach for him. You can pick him up in, in the last round of your draft and hope he ends up in one of those really, really good spots with Barkov or Kachuk. And, and then, yeah, like I, I think his shot volume, you know, we've been talking about shot volume seemingly this entire episode, seemingly since this podcast started in 2020 or 2010, excuse me. But uh, yeah, it, we're, we're all about shot volume here. 243 shots two years ago, 184 shots in 69 games, the abs last year. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Um, I, I, like he played a lot with, with, with the top end guys in Colorado last year. Um, played a lot with the middle, middle six guys in, in Colorado last year. So if he can land a permanent role where he's playing 17 minutes a night, like he did last year, I do think that there's uh potential for Rodriguez to have a career year. Yeah. The, the only knock I have on him, uh, but again, remember the context this is a player that's getting undrafted uh, on average um, career 7.8% shooter just does not really seem to have um, great finishing ability seems to be well below average. In fact, uh, amongst forwards in the NHL. So that's a bit of a concern is that he just might not be able to capitalize on that extra shot volume that he might see. But again, someone going undrafted, you could, you know, pick up an injured player or two, toss them on your IR and then dip back into the free agent pool after the draft, uh, toss Evan Rodriguez on your bench. Um, and I like him in that regard. We talked about, I forget who it was uh, on the center episode, but similar anyway here for Rodriguez in that this is someone who we should have an idea pretty early in the season, whether or not this breakout is going to come or not just based on their usage. So yeah, if he's getting a ton of minutes off the bat, then you can know that you might have a, a pretty useful piece over the course of the season. And if he's, you know, capping out around 15, 16 minutes, then I wouldn't hesitate to cut, to cut bait. But, uh, I totally agree with beads. I think we could see a real breakout just on the cards here. If he's able to get that extra opportunity. That is going to do it for season nine, episode three of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. That was the Left Wings preview. 
on our next episode coming early next week will be the right wings. And I'm just looking at the ADPs and I'm already excited. I want to just dive in right now because, oh, there are some draft values to be had at the right wing position. Um, last year, man, a lot of our sleepers were at center. Um, this year, I don't see quite as many. We might be dipping back into the let's draft centers early and get our right wing, left wing sleepers later <laughs> this year because, man, there's a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot some of guys good late round really... values for sure. I still think yeah. the the middle values it makes that's when you can really capitalize on the depth at center in the middle round. For sure. But but I, I agree. I agree. Otherwise, absolutely. Anyways, until next time, I'm Brock Stegan. We're speaking for Beebs Bonnie, but we've also got Dylan Birds. We'll see you guys back here next week. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 